Hey, everybody, we're talking to Mara Neville Thomas today. What an amazing woman. She's a top leader speaker. You don't have to take my word for it. That comes from Inc. Magazine. She's an author, a trainer, and has some incredible stories related to managing time. She's a great new friend of mine. You don't want to miss this incredible conversation. Welcome to The Last 10%. Your host, Dallas Burnett, dives into incredible conversations that will inspire you to finish well and finish strong. Listen as guests share their journeys and valuable advice on living in the last 10%. If you are a leader, a coach, a business owner, or someone looking to level up, you are in the right place. Remember, you can give 90% effort and make it a long way, but it's finding out how to unlock the last 10% that makes all the difference in your life, your relationships, and your work. Now, here's Dallas. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Last 10%. I am Dallas Burnett in Thrive Studios, sitting in my 1905 Koch Brothers barber chair. But more importantly, we have an amazing guest today, Mara Neville Thomas. She's an award-winning international speaker, trainer. She's been on the TEDx stage. She has been featured in Fast Company, Business Insider, The Washington Post. She contributes to Forbes and Harvard Business Review. Just two small publications a few people have heard about, right? Welcome to the show, Mara. I'm so to be here. Thanks, Dallas. That is just a, such an honor. I ran across your material and was just intrigued by some of the things. You've got just some great content around time management and productivity and such a unique perspective on it. I just was thinking we have got to get her on the show. We've got to share this with our audience because there's some really valuable information here. So tell us about your background and your story and how does one get to be an international productivity expert guru? Oh, it's a long road. It only took me 20 years to become an overnight success, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. That's what <laughs> everybody knows. It takes forever. But uh, yeah, I mean, I spent my whole professional career in the productivity industry. I worked for a company right out of college, fresh out of college, that sold paper-based planners and training to go with them. Mm -hmm. And I had some great mentors there. I worked there for almost 10 years. And during my time there, it part of my job was to understand the whole market and what everybody was selling, competitors. So I read all the books. I went to all the trainings. I saw all the planners and their software was starting and smartphones and all this kind of stuff. And it was really my job to know about all of that. So when I left and I thought about, I knew that I wanted to, I'm not an awesome employee. <laughs> so I knew I really wanted to sort of go into business for myself and have more control. And I just really thought about what's a skill set that I have that a lot of people don't. Mm. And productivity was it. And it just started getting more and more important, right? It used to be that like, oh yeah, if you have a planner, it's helpful. But now it's, if you don't know how to run your life, you are screwed, yes, right? Absolutely. You are absolutely running. And so it was always productivity. And then in about 2009, people always said to me, oh, so you're a time management expert or whatever. And that just started to bother me because I am a control freak, I admit it. <laughs> and I 
started thinking like, who can manage time? I try to back it up and slow it down every day. Yes. It doesn't work. If I can get more hours, nobody can manage time. But really, how you manage your time only matters to the extent that you also devote your attention. Mm. Whether you are doing a task, whether you are in a meeting, whether you, whatever you're doing, if you switch what you're doing, or if you're only halfway present, mm. if you switch what you're doing every few minutes, the task isn't going to get done. Yes. <clears throat> and, or it'll take forever to get done and it will be full of mistakes. And if you're not present with a person, then what's the point, right? If I sat here and been like, yeah, Dallas, ask me whatever you want. I'm just going to be scrolling my email. It's not a big deal. I can totally do both. Yes. Right? It would be a very boring interview. And so I just came to this conclusion and started, I wrote my first article on it in 2000, I don't know, 2009 or 2010. Wow. That time management is dead mm. and we need to stop talking about it because who cares? We can't manage time. But if you start talking and thinking to yourself about how you manage your attention, mm. everything changes. It just re everything. it reorients everything when you say that. It's it, instead of me trying to literally grapple with something that's this constant in the universe that's just always moving forward that I lose every second of. It seems overwhelming because, you know, I only have so much. So if I only got so many seconds in a day and hours in a day and hours in my life, days in my life, then all of a sudden I try to cram everything into the time. But when you turn back and you say, oh, wait a minute, it's not about the time. It's about my attention. That just opens up a whole new perspective. I love that. Love that. So now you've written about this. So you started with a, just a blog article or an article for Magazine 2009, but you've since written a lot more. You've written several books, and you've got one that's just recently out. So tell us about the latest book. Sure. The latest book is called Everyone Wants to Work Here, Attract the Best Talent, Energize Your Team, and Be the Leader in Your Market. Mm. And the reason what this book came out of is that I work with leaders a lot, leadership groups and leadership teams, and just spend a lot of time with leaders. And I felt like they just really didn't realize how, A, how much influence they have, and B, how much somebody's ability to have a productive day at work, which makes a good day at work, right, is impacted by the behavior of the leaders and the culture of the company mm. and how the company operates. And so my goal is really to help people, to help busy people have more days that end with, oh my gosh, that was such a good day. I got so much done. Right. And fewer days that end with, oh my gosh, I was busy all day and I'm exhausted <laughs> and somehow I got nothing done. <laughs> and whether or not those two things happen is really impacted a lot by how the company operates, how the leaders behave and the culture of the company. And when I say the culture of the company, I really just mean like, how do people interact with each other and what kind of language, what kind of language do people use? And I think words are so important. Yes. And we say a word and we think it means a thing and it means something totally different to some somebody else. And I think leaders just don't think about, are we on the same page when I say this word? So <laughs> many assumptions. Yeah, I completely agree that there's so many times that I'm a victim of this myself is just when you're communicating, you're thinking... Yeah, I did a great job of communicating that idea. But the message sent 
is not the message received at all unless we have like what you're saying, this shared language, this common model that we're approaching things with. And I love that. That's so good. Yes. And I know many communication experts who could talk about language models and all that kind of stuff. And that is super important. But really, the first thing and the thing that I talk about is words. Mm. When you say, for example, we need to be responsive to customers. Yes. What do you mean by that? When you say that we have an open door policy here, what do you mean by that? <laughs> when you say, I'm going on vacation, do you really mean I'm going to be working from the beach in Aruba Correct. this week. Correct. What do words mean? And that causes so many. It, it doesn't. Yes. Models and being on the same, you know, sort of having the same kind of systems. All of that is super important. But let's just talk about individual words and phrases first. I think that's so true. And I think the first place that you see it start breaking down is when you walk in the door of a company and they've got their values plastered all over the wall, and then you go into the office of the person on the left of that sign and you say, hey, you know, this value right here that says respect, what does that actually mean? What is that? How do you have that respect? And they say an answer, and then you go to the door on the right of that sign and you ask the same question, and you get totally different answers for the same word respect. It's unbelievable. And you sit there and you go, man, and we've had this experience too, you say, if we don't even know what the words that we post on the main header on the wall out here, actually, we don't even know how that actually, it's like you said, these words, what these words actually mean in the walking around everyday actions. Man, how do we move? How do we move forward? How do we move together? How do we have alignment if we don't even know? So I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. Let's talk about, let's talk about, because I think leaders, there's a ton of leaders that probably feel completely overwhelmed overworked. I remember a quote, I think it was, I think it was Coach Wooden that said, don't mistake activity for progress. And it kind of goes to what you were saying. I've been busy all day, and I, but what have I done? Have I got anything done? So how would you, how do you approach leaders when they're feeling completely overwhelmed and underwater? Yeah. And leaders have the same problem that teams have. And from a foundational level, in fact, right before this call, I was just talking to a client about here's what's going on in our company. How can you help us? And the truth is most busy professionals today, most leaders included, do not have a way to get a system for getting work done. In my world, I talk about it as a workflow management system. Mm. But if you have a software background, when I say workflow management, you think software or apps, and that's not at all what I mean, the collection of habits and behaviors you have. And you could even think of it as a life flow management system because it's not just about work. It's the if you think about how do I manage all of the responsibilities involved in being a grown, <laughs> right? The, yeah. The kids call it adulting. Yeah, adulting, right? right. How do I, adulting is hard. Yes. How do I adult? successfully and the older I get and the more I advance in my career, the more I advance in life, I take on more and more responsibilities and the way my sticky notes flagged email system is just not scalable. <laughs> <laughs> and so most people just don't have a system right. for how they manage their work. And James Clear in Atomic Habits says, we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. Mm. Right. Love and that. so 
If you don't have a system for how you operate, how you adult at work and at home, because if your life is chaotic at home, it's going to be hard for you to be present at work and be organized and efficient at work and vice versa. So the first thing is that we need a work. Everybody needs workflow management skills and most people don't have them. And then we can start to build company systems. Right. We need individual systems first. Yeah, if you can't manage yourself, how do you manage others? It, it really goes back and it starts with managing yourself. And I do think that there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people, it's that whole, it's what's important but not urgent. There's not some flashing light that's gonna, that shines in your face when you get up in the morning and it says, the world has changed around you. You've taken on more responsibility. You've got more things that you're doing now. You have to change the way you're doing. You have to, there's nobody... All we feel is this tension and pressure and stress that continues to mount. And we're like, what in the world is going on? I didn't have this before. And yet, yeah, but you didn't, you weren't doing all these other things. That's really interesting. How do you walk with people and help change their mindsets or their open their kind of their thinking around that idea? Yeah. Explaining the whole idea that there's this thing, like this has a name, like how we adult successfully can be named. I call it workflow management, but call it whatever you want. But but you can systematize the way you operate. So that realization for a lot of people, the light bulb, mm. because you don't, you mean I don't have to reinvent the wheel every morning? Most people, a lot of time management advice says, spend the night before planning for the next day <laughs> and writing down all the things you have to do. And then you go to bed. And like you said, the whole world has changed when you wake up. So your list is out the window. And so how I, and so people say, isn't that a good practice to plan every night? And I was like, if you live your life, if you have a system, your system is dynamic. Yes. Your system changes. Eisenhower said, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Mm. Yeah. So your system is your plan for your days. Plans change. And but you have a dynamic system that adapts to those changes. So you know what you are responsible for. You know everything on your plate so that you can prioritize it. Your system gives you a place to collect and store and organize and prioritize and most importantly, execute on all of that stuff that you have to get done. Because most people, it just takes so long to figure out what's the best thing I should do right now. Mm. Because I don't know. It's I have things in my head. I have things on my list from yesterday. I have things on my sticky notes. I have flags in my email. I don't know. I better just go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, you know, I think we do have this analysis paralysis. You just get overwhelmed with data. And then you say, well, okay, I just need to take a break. <laughs> I haven't done anything yet, but I just need to take a yeah, break. And right. so I think that's so true. I love how you... I love how you capture that and you, the way you said dynamic system. It's that it's not a system that's so rigid because I think when people hear system, they think, okay, it's more of a process. Step one, lay out your sticky note and write everything down tomorrow. Step two, step two wake up and execute everything on that list. And I love how you describe it because it's exactly the opposite. Your way is saying dynamic because our days are dynamic. We get up and we have a flat tire before we even make it to the office. That, that obviously changes the list. And so it is going to change my day's dynamics. So I love how you talked about that as it relates to responsibilities. So I'm going to get real with, I'm going to get real with the listener. So I'm going to let you coach me a little bit. I need some coaching in this area. So this is a very interesting area for me because I am a number seven 
on the Enneagram. So I'm an Enneagram seven. So I'm a creative. I'm a, I got about 17,000 things juggling because I love mixing things up and seeing. But the problem with that is, is that even when I'm running a business or whatever, is that I'm constantly having these squirrel moments. Like I can be present. I like being present with people. I love connecting, but I'm totally the one that will get lost in a conversation and miss the next meeting by like 20 minutes, have no idea, you know? And then I'm also one that's like talking and then has this idea and it's boom, we go off on a rabbit trail for 20 minutes. And so coach me up. I need some advice. So what are some things that you would tell a number seven on the Enneagram that's a business owner, business leader that's that needs to do better managing their activities in the day? Yeah. So you can be a creative person and still have a system, mm. right? In fact, your system frees your creativity because you don't have to manage all the minutia. And and again, by system, I don't mean software. Tools, calendars, and task managers and all that stuff, it's important, but it's not about the tool. It's how you use the tool. So it's the behaviors that matter. Mm. And we need to be able to take in what's happening to us and make conscious decisions in the moment. I love that thing you just said, and I would love to spend the next 30 minutes talking about it. Let me just see if that's okay to do that. Oh yeah, this thing I was gonna do next, that can wait. Okay, Mm. let's do it, let's go for it, right? Instead of most people just wake up and do whatever happens to them every day. Because without a good way to manage your life, you everybody just goes home at the end of the day and says, I think everything, <laughs> and with a system you can be like no these are the things that i haven't done yet and you know what i'm just gonna make this phone call and then i can leave because everything else can wait until tomorrow it's about it's about putting you in the driver's seat yes. of your life and your work and making intentional decisions about where your attention goes because here's the thing about the other thing about attention management your attention determines the experiences you have Mm. right if you are like a golfer you give your attention to golf so you golf and you shop for golf clubs and you look for places to golf and you talk to people about golf you give your attention to golf so you have all those experiences sure if i'm not a golfer i don't have any of those experiences (laughs) that's true that's true And you ever talk to someone, you talk to people all the time. What are you interested in? And you're like, oh, attention. I never thought about that, right? It wasn't on your (laughs) radar. That's right. Right? Exactly. So your attention determines your experiences. Mm. But here's the next thing. Your experiences determine your life. That's right. So if you are not, what, what if too often you don't control where your attention goes? You just inadvertently allow it to be stolen by this shiny thing and that shiny thing. And make no mistake. The world is literally conspiring to steal your attention from you. I agree with that. I agree with that. So we have two choices. We can live a life of reaction and distraction, or we can live a life of intention and choice. And here's the good news. That decision is 100% entirely up to us. Mm, That's great. I love that. It's totally in your control. Totally in your control. And I love how you do put that in control. When you set up this dynamic system, you're running off that system. So that's your boundary really for the day, because you're saying as part of that, you've got your responsibilities and your priorities 
And then let's say I have this great idea with this person that comes by the office door and says, hey, have you thought about this? And it's like, oh, you know, or they send me a Slack message or whatever it is. You got this great thing. But now you're saying, hold up. You have to, you can check that back against and say, hey, is this fit or do I need to put this in another spot? I love how you use the system. It's kind of a boundary for whether it's a creative type or just a busy professional. I think it's really good. I think it's really good. So I want to talk a little bit about companies because we've got some things everybody hears in the news back during post-COVID. It was this the great resignation and now it's morphed into quiet quitting. We have a lot of people that talk about and ask us to talk about burnout. And I think that's a, another one of those three kind of components. What do you think is causing a lot of this turmoil in companies and so much employee discontent? Well, let me start again with the premise and the words. So I believe that this idea of quiet quitting is primarily business propaganda. Mm. <laughs> because I don't know. I honestly have never. I mean, I guess there was one guy on TikTok who <laughs> who got lazy or something. I don't know. <laughs> They're not the business press latched onto this yes. and started talking about all these lazy employees who are just trying to skate by yeah. and doing as well as possible without telling their boss <laughs> and getting caught. Like, no, I have never met one single person like that. Never in it's a new phenomenon in just the last like in the last two or three years, all of a sudden, all these employees all of a sudden just decided I'm laying out. I'm just sitting back and coasting. Nobody does that. I wrote an article for Forbes called Why Leaders Should Want Their Employees to Quiet Quit. Wow. Because here's what here's what quiet quitting really is. Quiet quitting is really just in my view and in my experience, I've worked with probably 40,000 professionals in the last 20 years. In my experience, quiet quitting is control and boundaries and saying, you know what, there is more to life than work, number one. But number two, I will be better at work if I don't work too much. Mm. If I have time for sleep, if I have time for exercise, if I have time with my family, if I have time to give back to my community, I will be a better employee. Yes. And so I won't work in 60 hours a week anymore. I'm going to create some boundaries. And as a result, I'm going to be a better employee. That, I think, is what quiet quit is. Oh, wow. That's interesting. This is why I wrote Everyone Wants to Work Here. Mm. Because people, people are, people were working in excessive amounts. I talk in the book about what I call unconscious calculations. Mm. Uncon unconscious calculations are things that it would seem that we believe, like our behavior indicates that we believe this, mm -hmm. but we never actually decided if we believe this or not. Mm. Like we haven't really looked at the underlying assumption yes. that is guided. And so I believe that people have begun, that people started to work more because in part, again, more of that sort of the business media hustle culture. Yeah. And how do you get somewhere if you're not, if you're not hustling all the time? Yes. And I think that people feel like they need, like my boss is sending me emails 24 seven. So right. I have to be checking those emails 24 yes. seven. Yes. They want, it's so the opposite of quiet quitting. They want to do a good job. Yes, 100%. And meanwhile, the boss is like, oh my gosh, I never expected you to be checking emails at 11 o'clock. I just happen to be thinking about it, right? Yes. It's, it's not 
that the employees are bad and it's not that the bosses are bad. Everybody is honestly, in my experience, trying to do the best they can and just like the employees aren't realizing maybe your job really doesn't require 60 hours and helping the leaders realize, did you know that when you send emails at night, people feel like they have to do them? Right. And so, right. And so I have so many leaders who just tell me like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was doing this to my employees Mm. and it's absolutely not what I want to be doing. Mm. So there's a lot that that's really what the book is about. Let me just point out when you do this, here's how this is perceived by your employees. Somebody called me the boss whisperer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Let me just tell you the things that the employees don't want to tell you and don't want to say that makes, you know, that's contributing to this. I love that because it's like you said, you wouldn't call it shaming. I think that's true because it's more, that would be an intentional, something done intentionally. And in, in, in what you're describing is, and that's been my experience too. Most of the time, it's just a lack of awareness. The owner or the leader is ha, has certain habits or has a certain personality and they're running and it's, oh gosh, I forgot to t- say this. I'm going to go ahead and send it, which is in their mind, they're thinking, I'm great because I didn't forget in three weeks from now go, oh, I forgot to tell you this. But on the flip side, it, from the other side, that message sent, message received it's very hard for a team member to say, I don't need to respond to it till tomorrow. There's some boundaries there. And it's not boundaries that are these hard line things as much as it's just an understanding between the two parties. It goes back to those words and what they mean and how they how we interact and behave with each other based on those. I think that's really great. I think it's good. Here's something, here's something that bosses don't realize. So I wrote an article for Harvard Business Review called Your Late Night Emails Are Hurting Your Team. Mm became one of the most popular articles on HBR that year. Wow. Because, again, because I think people didn't recognize. But here's what this is like, right? If you're my boss, Dallas, and you send me an email at night, it would be the same as if you said to me at the end of the day, hey, Maura, go home, have a great night. I hope you enjoy your time with your family. Looking forward to seeing you on Monday or tomorrow or whatever. Uh, by the way, I'm going to want to tell you something later. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry think about it. Go home and have a great night with your family. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's just running in the background the whole night. Right. I can't even be with my family because I'm sitting there going, what's he, what's what he going to say? Where is he going to go? What's he going to say? Yeah. Is it good? Is it bad? Right? Yeah. I gave a keynote to a group of leaders yesterday and one of them said to me, oh my gosh, you're so, I had, I think we don't realize. She said, I emailed two of my team members and I said, I want to have lunch tomorrow. And she said, I found out later that the two of them, she's like, I wanted to tell them about their rates, but the two of them got on the phone and said, why don't we have a lunch? Are we getting fired? Uh-oh. What's going to happen? Why does she want to, right? No, 100%. And she was like, I had no idea I was doing that to them. And I think there's a rule that I heard about human behavior that I think that speaks to, that's been a truism for me in my experience as well. And that is, is that we always typically, m- most people will fill in the gaps in information with the negative. So they don't say when they, when she says, we got to meet for lunch tomorrow, they're not saying, wow, you know, maybe she's going to give an, us an extra week vacation. Why not? It's just as, it's just as probable as she's going to let us go. But we just typically, our minds tend to just go to the negative and we're like, well, she's going to let us go. And so I think that goes back to that leader behavior you were talking about as well. And the words is so important not only what we say, but how we say it. And that the more clear we can be when we communicate as leaders, the more information we can give. So I think that's really good. 
That sound means it's time to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. If you lead an organization or a team, one of the biggest challenges you face is developing your people. Think Move Thrive is here to help you on your journey. We've developed a coaching system that integrates into your team or organization to consistently develop your employees, build trust, gain valuable feedback, and increase accountability. Leadership retreats and summits are great. We even build those custom for our clients, but they're only part of the solution because they lack consistency. Our one-on-one coaching app is the missing piece in your employee development program. We help new leaders get to know their teams. We help technical managers be more relational. And we help ensure that your relational rock stars stay organized. We developed the system for a client, and it was so successful. We created the app to help more organizations develop their people, build trust, engagement, and you guessed it, performance. For more information, go to thinkmovethrive.com to learn more about the one-on-one coaching system and start developing your team today. Back to the show. And the truth is, honestly, Dallas, whether or not, when we know news is coming, whether it's good or whether it's bad, we still want to know what it is, right? Think about, like, you you took a test. One of the grades. Mm. Is it, I think I did okay, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Maybe I did, maybe I failed. I don't know. But where are the results? Because I want to know. Right? Yes. And it we just want to know when it's something that matters and information that my boss is sharing with me matters. So I don't it, it maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but I just want to know what it is. I think that's so good. So if you're coaching a team right now, if you're leading an organization, I think that is fantastic advice. You need to mark it down. It's already been a most read article on HBR. When you communicate with your team, you need to make sure you're thorough and you need to make sure you communicate in completeness as much as you can so that you're not leaving these gaps in information that people can fill in. And also the timing of that. You want to give all the information when you can and not leave people hanging. I just think that's fantastic. And I think it's great advice. And it's also so easy. It's like back to the basics. That makes sense. I think when most people hear you say that, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's the way I feel. But it's putting that back to the basics in practice. That's so difficult. It's a fundamental. We've got to be go back to the basics, the fundamentals. If you're a leader, don't overlook it. It's the little things. It's the simple things that can trip people up and create some dissonance on your team and frustration or anxiety. Uh, so now when you talk about in the book, you talk about unconscious calculations. Tell us about what that means and, and how leaders and individuals, how that can reinforce unproductive habits. Yeah. I mean, we have so many of them. They are, they are assumptions. You know, what I tell my clients is just question your assumptions, right? So one unconscious calculation is that, that I think companies end up creating this whole, their company operations end up with this false metric. So we have this unconscious calculation that If we don't get back to customers or potential customers, immediately, they will not do business with us. They will quit us. They will go to somebody else. They will go to our competitor. And so I think the world, that is a very competitive view of the world. Mm. And I think actually the world, a lot of people think the world is more competitive than it used to be. I think it's less competitive than it used to be in some ways because... Now, it used to be back in the day, 
if you needed like a dentist, you would open the yellow pages and be like a dentist. Okay, I'll just call out. And That's right. Know. Or maybe you'd go to your neighbor and be like, who's your dentist? And you'd maybe ask one person. Sure. Right. And you didn't know anything about them. You just picked a dentist. Yeah. Now, if you want a dentist, you're like asking a million of your Facebook friends, who's the best dentist? You go on their website, you read the reviews, you do, right? You yeah. go on all these sites and you've done some research and you've decided this is the best dentist. And so if you're the best dentist, I want you. <laughs> right? And so if you don't answer the phone, now, if the phone just rings and rings and goes into the abyss and I have no idea, did you go out of business? What's happening? Yes, that's a problem. Sure. But if I want voicemail and it's our staff is busy helping other people, but your call is so important, kind of a say, right? We and we will get back to you by within one business day. I'm like, sure, well, they're busy. They're the best dentist. Of course sure. they're busy. Sure. And as long as you keep that commitment to me, I am going to wait. Mm. But instead we say, Oh my gosh, we have to answer the phone. We have to hurry up. We have to get back to everybody right away. They're never going to wait for anything. And that just makes your employees insane. It creates what I call a culture of urgency. Yes. Because, if, because then if every message might be a message that I have to respond to right now, then every message becomes automatically the most important thing happening to me Correct. in that moment. Until I know it's not the most important thing. I read it and I go, oh, no, that can wait. Yes, that's oh, so but there's true. another message. Oh, no, that can wait. Oh, no, there's another message. Okay, I should answer that one. So then you just, you create this environment with every employee just sits at their desk. Like, because a message comes literally every minute. Yes. Every minute. Gloria Mark's research shows that we switch her most recent research to Irvine. Shows that we, when we're sitting in our computers, we switch what we're doing every 47 seconds on average. Good gracious. 47 seconds. How you, if you have like a law firm or a creative agency or any kind of service provider or any kind of company, the people who work in the office on the computer, you literally hired them to think. That's amazing. And you can't think. You can't think if you have to read every message as it arrives to see if it's an emergency. That's right. So I spend a lot of time on communication guidelines with my clients, uh, right? Like you need a bat signal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You need a bat signal for an emergency and routine communication will get answered like within a few hours sure. and it'll all be fine. Well, and I think too, to your point, and that is so true. And I think that is, it's, it goes back to those habits and behaviors that you were talking about earlier and that workflow management, because you're communicating our habits and our workflow communicates things that maybe our words don't. And so when you go, like you're saying, well, it, it, we've got to get back to that customer's going to leave. That's communicating to your employees like the house is on fire all the time. The hamster wheel's running. I got to keep up. The second thing, though, and I've seen this in clients that we've worked with as well. And actually, one of them said they were really a stickler on training, training your customer. And I thought that was a cool way of putting it, but because he was on getting on to one of the team members because they were responding to the client's emails on a project late at night. And they were sending emails out to their project team late at night. And it gets right back to what you were saying earlier. But, the, but what happened was the client got used to being able to send emails at dinner time to this project manager and expect to reply by nine o'clock that night. 
And then the yeah. project managers having to get online and work till 11 to get this stuff done, then showing up and working a full day the next day. And he's complaining because yeah. he's burnt out. And the, and the leader's like, hey, you got to learn how to train your client. And then the person's freaking out because they're like, but what if they leave? No, nah, we're doing a great job for them. They're not going to leave. You just got to be honest with them and tell them. So I think it goes both ways. I think you're exactly right. There is less competition. If you do a really great job and good service or give a good product, people will enjoy that. That's a luxury. And so train them and say, hey, this is normal life. You want to have dinner with your family, your kids, and so do we. <laughs> so you can get this tomorrow. The software industry has something called SLAs, right? Service level agreements. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do business with us, this is how we do business. And I don't see why every company shouldn't have service level agreements, right? Yeah. This I, we're so excited to have you as a client. Here's how we do business. And we are here for you in an emergency, but here's our bat signal, right? <laughs> if there's, if you need us, you send up the bat signal and we are there for routine communication. We'll update you like this and it'll take this long and this is how it goes, right? Set expectations. And then everybody's happy. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I love that model. I love that. And I think that if you, are finding that your team is swamped or you have this tremendous amount of communications that you're doing. I think one of the things you're saying that everybody needs to write down is what's my bat signal? So if everything's emergency, nothing's an emergency. I think it's fantastic. We talked a little bit about burnout. Let's talk about that a little bit as it relates to business leaders and coaches, because I feel like it's an epidemic right now. People just struggle with burnout. What's some things that they could do to balance life and prevent that burnout? I think one thing that a lot of leaders, I can work leaders through this, through this exercise and educate them, like these are all the things that contribute to burnout. These are all the things that cause burnout in your employees, which ones are present here. And honestly, for many industries, right, there are some exceptions like direct patient care and healthcare and even HR. There, there are some jobs that are just very emotionally taxing. Mm -hmm. But putting those aside for a minute, for the average like account manager or creative director, something who sits in a company, the most common cause of burnout that I see is simply working too much, mm. too many hours, mm -hmm. right? And not getting any sort of fresh break, disconnection, Right. When we cut the cord, whether it's for an evening, for a weekend, for a vacation, we get to think about other things, right? We get to do other things. And that when we do other things, that is literally where creativity comes from, mm. right? We get new ideas and we see new people and we eat new food and we travel to new places and we read a new book and we see a TV show. And then that creates these new neural pathways in our brain that allows us to be like, hey, you know what? That thing I saw on TV last night that would work here, right. right? But But if the way I see most people, the image I have in my head is the I Love Lucy clip with the chocolates on the assembly line. <laughs> Oh, totally. Right? We're, totally. There's no space in your day. Mm. It's just go. And a lot of leaders just think about it's their job to manage their work. And if they're going to work at 11 o'clock at night, who am I to mm. tell them that they shouldn't? Right. Mm. Now, if you are working at 11 o'clock at night because you took the day off to go to like your kid's camp thing or whatever, fine. Sure. That's. Right. But if you're putting in a full day, like you said, and then also here's the thing. And this comes back to attention management. Most people, here's another unconscious calculation. 
at work. It is loud. It's noisy. It's distracting. People need me all day long. I have meetings all day. It's just go. The only time I can get my work done is when nobody's bothering me. When is nobody bothering you? Nights, weekends, holidays, when you're on vacation. And so part of what I talk about and everyone wants to work here is that leaders need to create an environment at the office where or during the workday where people can get their jobs done at work. Sure. At work, right? Yeah. And yes, it is part of your job to be responsible to other people and it's part of your job to be collaborative and to work with others, but it's also part of your job to get done all those things on your to-do list. Sure. And if your strategy for that is to be available for other people 40 hours a week and do my own job another 20 or 30 or 40 hours a week, <laughs> that is not sustainable. And even if you're sitting on the couch with your family watching TV while also scrolling your work email, that counts as work. That does. That does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can see I have a lot. To no, say. I think that's so good. I love your perspective and I love how you're just bold with it and you just say it because I think a lot of people just need to be given permission to turn their phone off, to put it down, to not check email. It's almost like people, a lot of people are just waiting for somebody to say, hey, it's okay. Stop. Take a break for a minute. And I think that's cool. And I love what you said because you really put down a cool challenge to, I think, leaders and owners, business owners. Anyone that's managing people, because we had another guest one time, it was a, a PGA golf course, said that the stress is not the cause of burnout, it's stress without recovery. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. And that's exactly what you're describing. You're saying, hey, go to work. If it's a stressful day, that's called work. Get it done. But when you're done and you need to put it down at home or when you go off on vacation because you need that time to recover. But I love how you put it because you said if you're leading people, you're wanting to guard their margin. You know, you're saying not only do you personally guard your own margin, and that's our personal responsibility. If we're going and having dinner with the family, put the phone down and don't check work email while we're watching the movie or whatever. That's I'm guarding my own margin, my own recovery time. But as a leader, I think what we lose sometimes is the awareness of how are we protecting our team and one of the ways that we protect our team is we, as leaders, guard their margin. So when's the last time that somebody sent you an email while you're on vacation and you said, I'm not taking any more emails from you on vacation. If you send another one, you know, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Well, yes. So here's where, here's where I sort of talk about right different hats. So if you are a leader... Yes, you need to recognize people are on vacation. Don't email them when they're on vacation. You got to help. Right. Because if the boss is sending me stuff, I want, I'm going to want to know what it says. Yeah. So as a leader, you have to help. However, as an employee, if you are checking your work email, I mean, what are you doing? Just checking your email going, probably everybody knows I'm, I'm on vacation, so there's going to be nothing here, <laughs> but I'll just check. Right? That's right. It's... It, it's if you are checking your email when you're on vacation, that is not work invading your personal life. That is you inviting it. In. That's true. That is true. It's a both and. Yeah. It's not just the leader's responsibility. I guess what I mean is, as a leader, we're trying to create an atmosphere where people feel like it's okay to take a break and have margin in their life. And they're not constantly, like you were saying earlier, not constantly having to respond to late night emails. And that's one of the ways leaders can guard that. 
However, as an employee, if you go and check your email, then your boss is probably going to be like, hey, you're supposed to be taking a vacation. But I really appreciate the fact that you looked at our accounting numbers and sent me that report while you're on vacation. What's he, what's the, what, are, what is he or she supposed to do? I mean, hey, if you're sending it and they didn't ask for it, but you're doing it, then you're okay with that. And sometimes I get it. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be so generalized that it's like, you never can do this on a vacation. I had somebody that was talking to, I was doing a burnout talk and <laughs> it was a business owner and she stood up and at the end of the talk, she says, I know I'm burnt out. I was like, Hey, you know what? When we admit these things, that's the kind of the first step recovery. And then she says, and I know that it's causing me to burn out all my employees. And then I was just like, mm, you're right. So if you're in that camp, if you know that you're doing stuff, then, then it's time to make some dramatic changes and you need to start thinking. You, what you need to do is you need to buy Mara's books and you need to start, you need to start contacting her and get her to, to come and help you out. And so let's, let's do this because it's just been a fantastic show today. I love your perspective. I love how you're just bold with everything, how you come out and you're just like, I think quiet quitting is a, this is ridiculous. I love that. I think that's fantastic because we need people pushing on ideas and checking that. And you just do a fantastic job with that. Is there, and we always ask this to our guest on the show, is there anybody that you would like to hear on the last 10%? Oh my gosh. This is a day that uh, you are asked. This is maybe the wrong day. I just came back from the National Speakers Association annual conference. Wow. Wow. With 1,200 of the most gifted, caring, smart, dedicated colleagues you could ever imagine. And so that would, that's, yes, that I couldn't even, it's who do I think, right? I can't, there's so many people to think I don't want to miss anyone, right? Like, who do I recommend? Oh my gosh, where do I start, right? There are certainly people who come to mind, but oh my gosh, I couldn't even begin to know where to start, aside from saying start at the National Speaker. So there you go. All right. Thank you for your time today. Let me ask, where can people, if they want to buy your books, and we'll obviously put the links in the show notes so that people can check it out. But if people want to connect with you, if they maybe have more questions or they want to hire you or have you come on as a speaker, where can people find you? Sure. The best place to go is my website, marathomas.com slash books has information about all the books, which can be purchased in any format, anywhere books are sold. And then forward slash contact, marathomas.com forward slash contact is where you can put in just some information. What do you want to talk about? I'll send you a link to my calendar. It'll be great. We'll go from there and I'll figure out how I can help you or make a referral to if I can. That's awesome. Mara, thank you again for being on The Last 10%. It's been a fantastic show today. It's been so much fun just hearing all your wisdom and all the value that you brought to our listeners. I know they really appreciate it. And they're going to go out and buy your books and see all the things that you're into. And so thank you again for being on The Last 10%. Thanks for having me, Dallas. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on The Last 10%. We hope you found today's content engaging and encouraging. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us so others will join our community. We release new episodes every other Tuesday. This podcast can be found globally in any podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Subscribe today 
Plus, visit our website, join our email list, and discover resources and info for your business and team at thinkmovethrive.com. Thanks again for listening to The Last 10%.